African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the rights to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Well, good morning, everybody. It is uh, that time for African Dialogue right here on Channel Africa, uh, where we give you things from an African perspective. My name is Benjamin Mushatama. Thank you for joining me on our shortwave service on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31 meter band to Southern Africa. That's our main service into Sub-Saharan Africa. But we've got other platforms where you can catch us on, on our DSTV channel in South Africa and neighboring countries, Channel 802 on the audio bouquet and our website www.channelafrica.co.za Well, today we're heading off to Uganda and seeing this uh, very interesting development there where the country's parliament has imposed a tax on the use of social media in a bid to raise revenue, but opponents of the law say it aims to stifle criticism of President Yoweri Museveni, look, who has been in power when I was only uh, one years old, since 1986. Can you believe that? And the new tax will now see social media users pay 200 shillings a day uh, for people who use social media daily. There will be a able to at least pay an astonishing 240 rands, South African rands per day, which is about 3% of an average of Ugandans' income. What do you think of this particular move by the country's president and his government of actually taxing social media? Give us your thoughts on our Twitter handle, at Channel Africa 1, at Channel Africa 1. Do you think this is a good move? Do you think this is strengthening the country's democracy or stifling freedom of expression? in the country give us your thoughts well joining us on the line i have juliet namfuka who's joining us from uganda itself from an organization titled the ict policy center for eastern and southern africa in uganda she's a researcher and a journalist based there at that particular center and also we have on the line uh, sanusha naidu who's a political analyst who's going to help us look at things from more of an uh, a, a political viewpoint but let me start with you Juliet how's the environment in Uganda currently and the reception after uh, this particular imposition of a tax on social media was introduced what are people saying on the ground Well, we're struggling with that particular line there with Juliet there. We'll see if we can try get her back on that line since we're trying to cross over from Uganda to South Africa. So we can see if we can get that line a little bit better. And now we can see if, uh, uh, let's see if Sanusha Naidu is with us on the line. Sanusha, thank you for giving us your time once again here on African Dialogue. 
good morning, Benjamin, and thank you for keep inviting me. It's a pleasure. It's interesting to see these moves in some parts of the African continent, uh, this idea of actually putting an eye on the use of social media. And now we're seeing Uganda actually imposing a tax on the use of uh, devices such as Facebook or uh, applications such as Twitter. Um, and this is not new to Africa. I think it's the world over where the social media space becomes that space where you're not sure whether you are violating people's privacy rights, whether you're violating people the the the, the rights of, of of freedom of speech. Mm. But then, of course, that that platform can also become a a, a vitro a vitro chronic platform. Mm. It can become a dangerous platform where there's a very fine line or a gray area on what is uh, uh, politically correct speech or what is speech that is made in a in a manner that's mature and not derogatory mm. or it can become a platform for hate speech. So I think in a sense, when you think about it, 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 it you think government, you know, and, and they, they're caught by this whole space. Mm. They're not sure what the right response should be and mm. so they're trying these different frameworks. Well, let me see if uh, Juliet can join you, Sanusha, on that uh, discussion that we're having right now. Juliet Namfuka is joining us on the line now. Let's see how that line is doing. Juliet, can you hear me clearly this time? Yes, I can hear you. Fantastic. You also sound very, very clear from your side. Now, in terms of uh, what we've been discussing with a, a South African political analyst around the environment and how you control social media, the big question that Sanusha is, is highlighting is the fact that sometimes on social media you get irresponsible use of social media, whether it is uh, derogatory or sometimes you, you have hate speech on social media. So uh, African countries are battling to actually balance whether or not uh, that is how do you regulate that particular space but also in the other sense uh, there's a lot of freedom of expression that is very much required on social media people uh, speaking out around human rights issues and also pressing political environments in their own countries so what's the balance Juliet in terms of dealing with social media I know that there's a tax in Uganda is that the right way of regulating social media that's the big question isn't it Juliet, are you there? Uh, we're struggling with that line uh, there. Uh, let's see if we can bring in Sheila Muwanga here. She's also on the line. will be uh, uh, joining us in the line that Sheila Muwanga, who's a vice president of the International Federation for Human Rights, seem to be having a struggle this morning with those Uganda's line. Sheila, are you there? Can you hear me clearly? Yes, I can hear you. All right, we can hear you as well. And we, we just, uh, let me pose the question I wanted to pose to our other colleague on the line, Juliet Namfuka, around the balancing act of, uh, you know, the hate speech and also the derogatory uh, nature of how sometimes social media is utilized versus freedom of expression. Uh, how do you balance the act? Because it seems like African countries are having a problem with that regard. I don't know if uh, uh, taxing social media is the way forward. Sheila, what are your thoughts? Hello. Can you hear me, Sheila? Sorry, I didn't hear. I, I lost you along the way. Okay, fantastic. What, what, let me let me try to reiterate that as we're still struggling with those lines. 
I wanted to get a sense from you, from your perspective, freedom of speech versus censorship of how we actually regulate our media in terms of uh, uh, looking at it from a perspective where we're seeing sometimes derogatory use of language on social media and sometimes hate speech on social media. It's a very polarized way and it seems like African governments are struggling uh, to deal with regulating the social media space. Um, thank, thank you. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you very clearly. Go ahead, Sheila. Yes, yes it, is, it, is, it is a real struggle, the, the, the question of hate speech. Um, um, I think in our country, um, there's that element of gossip, I think, that has, 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 has motivated government to, 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 to tax, um, to collect taxes, you know, um, in, 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 on social media use. So there is definitely a, a, a struggle um, to regulate, you know, hate speech, and, mm. and I, I think that taxing social media, um, social media is not the only way that you know people, uh, the only medium that it can be used, you know, to 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 to, to popularize hate speech, or, or I mean, for our government even gossip, you know, or whatever. So taxing social media, I think, is not a solution. The solution for us, so for me, I think that um, we need to understand the root cause. What is the root cause of, of this hate speech? You know, where is it coming from and what is the motivation? And who is funding or supporting this hate speech? And who is benefiting from this hate speech? Because social media, touching mm-hmm. social media, will m- might um, 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 divert or, or push people away from that form of medium, but there are other mediums that people can actually use to you know, propagate um, hate speech. Very interesting. And in a country such as Uganda, where you have a strong man who has been in charge since 1986, clearly there's a problem where social media is being taxed just because of the kind of uh, uh, government that we've seen in Uganda for such a long time, Sheila. Hmm. <laughs> uh, the, the president himself has been quoted in the media, you know, in the, in the, in the Ugandan media. As, uh, um, expressing discomfort on the use of, um, you know, of social media platforms like WhatsApp, Facebook, mm-hmm. Twitter, Skype, Vibe, and and you know, in, in his view, he says, um, in order to stop um, what he calls um, gossip, um, he thinks that um, he, uh, this this use of this social media should be taxed so that you know that country can actually benefit from from this gossip or actually stop this this, this gossip. Mm. Let me see if Juliet is on the line there. Juliet, can you hear me? I don't think we have Juliet back, but bringing that uh, to you, Sanusha, you know, it is kind of a balancing act, you know, in terms of uh, a country such as Uganda. Yes, I get your point whereby, mm-hmm. yes, you have social media and uh, the, the, the various polarized environments that you find there, whether it's black mm-hmm. Twitter, whether it's uh, human rights conversations, whether it's uh, conversations happening around various issues on social media. However, in a country such as Uganda, as I mentioned to Sheila, you do have a strongman who's in charge and who's very much in, in pace of what's happening in social media. So he does understand the power of social media in itself. Yeah, I, I, you're right. And I think that's the challenge is up until now these spaces were controlled. And so when you think of social media and the kind of outreach it has, the impact and uh, the kinds of, of issues it raises, 
you can't control it because of the very nature of the way it operates. Um, and I think the one way in which governments, particularly with very government political actors or, or leaders, tend to use this as a space to try and uh, limit the level at which you would find people coming out in a kind of anti-campaign or with their own views. I mean, if you go move further afield, you know, if you look at India, for example, um, or you look at countries of the BRICS, etc., there's been this debate around whether or not social media should be constrained Mm -hmm. to the use of of what people say because what they're doing is that because it's such an amphibious environment, you don't know what kind of impacts and fuels it may have, Mm -hmm. that they're raising the question around using cybersecurity as a basis to control social media. Now, what we do know about social media is that it can fuel many different outcomes, many different impacts. It can actually have people who can start talking about things that uh, that, that infringe on the rights of others. We, we're not sure at the level in which, from a legal perspective, etc., what it is that we need to think about in terms of how do we address this issue. And that is why governments are using different mechanisms and interventions, policy instruments, etc. Whether it's a, it's a tax in, in, in Uganda or whether it is uh, it amounts to almost um, uh, an attack on the state if you are in a WhatsApp group or some kind of social media group that talks about the government in a, in a negative way. Mm. People can, it's, there's, been, there's no test case for us right now sure. where there's been litigation to say there's a legal precedent that something has happened on social media. People have said something on social media which then has con- uh, had consequences and it led to this event. But what we are seeing is this idea that we need to nip it in the bud and we're trying to do all kinds of interventions. The challenge here is that we don't know what is right or wrong. We don't know what the legal implications are. People can challenge uh, another person and say, you infringe my privacy. Or or, or does the state have the right to basically play big brother and be a spy that watches everything we say on social media? Well, interesting conversation I'm having here with Sanusha Naidu, political analyst in South Africa, and Sheila Muwanga, who's joining us from Uganda at an organization called the International Federation of Human Rights. Uh, she's the vice president there. We'll look at the implications, we'll see if we can get back uh, uh, Juliet Namfuka, who is a researcher at the ICT Policy Center for Eastern and Southern Africa, Uganda, just to look at the, the policy environment when it comes to social media in the country do we have anything specific or illegal imperative around uh, social media as has been asked by sanusha naidu but let's take a quick break we'll be back with our guests are you interested in generating business leads networking forming new partnerships and igniting growth opportunities then you will be interested in the Vision 2030 Summit. Themed Skills, Economic Growth and Investment, the summit takes place from the 20th to the 21st of June at Emperor's Palace in Ekruleni, South Africa. Speakers include Bonang Mohale, Tsidiso Matuna, Nomalungalogina, Sai Mamabolo, Kanyisele Koyama and Risenga Malulega.
space is limited, but there is still time to book seats now at vision2030.co.za. That's vision2030.co.za. Or you can join Channel Africa on both days when we will be broadcasting live from the Vision 2030 Summit. Channel Africa bringing you the African perspective. Hey, what do you think of this move by uh, Uganda to actually impose uh, a social uh, media tax in the country? Uh, do you think it's a good thing, looking at the consideration that Yoweri Museveni has been present in the country since 1986? Uh, that's as long as I've lived, that's for sure. Uh, what are your thoughts around a social media tax? Go to our social media at Channel Africa 1. That's at Channel Africa 1, the numeric one on our Twitter handle. want to hear your views on this conversation. Uh, meanwhile, we are still trying to get uh, Juliet Namfuka from the ICT Policy Center for Eastern and Southern Africa, Uganda. But on the line right now, we've got Sheila Mwanga, Vice President of the International Federation of Human Rights, and uh, uh, Sanusha Naidu joining us on the line. Let's look from a human rights perspective, Sheila, in terms of what does this tax actually do? Does it actually infringe any form of human rights? Yes, um, from the human rights perspective, it definitely does. Because if you um, unrealistically are uh, 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 stopping people or inhibiting people from accessing um, media platforms, from accessing information, from actually also discussing you know, issues that are critical of government performance, quality service delivery, you know, charging the price, you know, putting the price tag to this, and it, it, it definitely um, it, it, it infringes on, on rights. It, it, it narrows, for us, it is more of narrowing that civic space, you know, where people can, you know, engage on, on, on and ask and demand accountability from government on particular issues. We, we, we need to know that um, Ugandans have become very, very critical. Of, of, of government, that, that, that there is an increasing critical citizen in government. I mean, in, uh, in Uganda, where people are asking, you know, questions um, using social media platforms uh, on the quality of governance, mm-hmm. um, on issues around uh, constitutionalism, uh, and, and, and people have found this space as, you know, free, and they are able to express themselves, and because the, 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 the information explode is great, you know, information goes, you know, will get to the people that it needs to get to. So definitely, mm-hmm. the, the, the fact that you're turning up in a price to, to, to this space, you are closing the space. You're sure. closing, you're, you're infringing on the freedom to express and to associate. It definitely is. And there's been a lot of criticism, by the way, from human rights defenders in, in Uganda, but also opposition leaders you know, on, on, on this on this, on this new tax in, in mm-hmm. respect to individual freedom. And mm. also, like, I mean, it's burdensome, you know. Why, why burden people, you know, with this? But people are also, um, uh, people are aware that this, this is diversionary, you know, from the real issues, you know. It's diversionary from the issues of the day, and, and people will be preoccupied with, with discussing the tax, as opposed to discussing, you know, quality of service delivery, issues of accountability, yeah, and yeah. And it's and it's true what you're saying there, Sheila, because 
when you look at countries such as Uganda, countries such as Kenya, moving to even Western Africa, countries such as Nigeria, when you look at countries such as Egypt even, there's a lot of robust interaction of real social or even uh, political issues that are addressed via social media. And it has been a vehicle for an open-ended environment for freedom of expression, Sanusha. What are your thoughts on what Sheila is touching on and the fact that there is vibrancy that is brought forward by social media, especially on pertinent issues on the African continent relating to economics, politics, and also the environment? Your thoughts, Sanusha? I definitely agree with you. I think there's been an incremental level of engagement on these platforms. I think for a while now, people have sought these platforms as a place where they feel comfortable to express themselves, uh, perhaps because of the anonymity, the fact that, uh, you know, you, you, can, you can raise questions, you can actually use a pseudonym or an assumed name. Uh, you don't have to actually have to have your your real identity on, on, these, on these platforms. Um, and I think that's testimony to the fact of how globalization and technological yeah, advancements sure. have actually improved mm. and enabled people to become much more engaged with, the, with, with, with these technological outputs and, and, and social media. And I think social media does that. It gives people that platform of confidence, trust, etc. The challenge is that we can go to the dark side of the web as well on social media. And I think that in itself is on the one hand, where you live in societies that are constrained, where freedoms are not enjoyed excessively and enjoyed to the, to the best of your benefit, where you have political constraints, I think the social media becomes that, that platform. As I mentioned earlier, we talk about the fourth the state in a democracy. I think the social media becomes the fifth state in, a, in, a, in any society because of all of these issues that we're talking about. How do you regulate the fact that people have their right to talk, what, to say what they want? But there is a level, a gray area with social media platforms where you can actually come to the tipping point. And that tipping point sure. is essentially one where you're not sure whether or not it's fueling constructive debate and, and raising constructive arguments or whether or not it's becoming a space of bullying, a space where people are infringing on other people's rights, right, yeah. a space for actually promoting and advancing uh, levels of intolerance. Yep. And that is what perhaps we need to be careful of. Sure. But, it's, but, but the challenge here is that it becomes an ex, a, a, a space of two extremes. It can be, you know, the best of times, the worst of times. But it's a space of two extremes because you, I'm not sure what the issue is. There's no etiquette guide for how you should behave on social media. Mm. I think it, 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 people take their freedom uh, to a completely uh, uh, absolute level. Mm. Uh, the state is concerned of whether that foments uh, terrorist activities or whether it foments anti-state sentiment, uh, challenges, etc. So, so, so there's no... There's no middle ground in this, and this extremism between the two spaces becomes almost, it's the contestation. And that is one thing that we're not sure what the regulation is, because we haven't had it. Is it well, let me, br- let me bring in Juliet. I think we were able to get her on another platform. I think we're trying her through Skype. Uh, Juliet, uh, am I clear enough for you right now? 
You're very clear, Benjamin. Okay, fantastic. Now, we've been really going for, back and forward around social media, and there's no really clear direction, both from Sheila and Sanusha, in terms of what should be done. Yes, we all agree that imposing a social media tax is actually an infringement of human rights because it takes away the landscape of social media being a platform of expression. And uh, also... We have another dynamic in question. How do you regulate social media where you do get instances where you have uh, uh, extreme extremism in terms of uh, uh, the dialogues that take place, a polarized environment where we're seeing hate speech dominating some platforms and uh, the, the, the balancing act is very worrying. So uh, where do we go from here, Juliet? Because that's where we're asking ourselves in terms of policy and making sure that it's regulated fairly I think when we talk of the issue of regulation of uh, the online arena we should be coming at it from the perspective that of one which accommodates the various players of the internet and what we generally tend to see is the state acting on its mm. own without um, having enough consultation with the other sectors involved them um, the private sector, civil society, um, academia, those parties are often left out of the decisions, which is why we tend to see situations where um, regulations which emerge are not quite in line with the ideal that the Internet should be um, with uh, voices of uh, the Internet. So mm. we see the state protecting its interests primarily and in so doing, overriding the rights of the various other players of uh, the Internet. Um, we see regulations which are very harsh, which, um, as you have already pointed out, undermine the rights of online users. Um, they undermine access to information, freedom of expression. They also undermine the various efforts of the state. Um, we've seen many countries developing social media guidelines as a tool to enable the state to engage with citizens. Um, so we tend to see that bit falling off, and there's no one in the room to remind them that, hey, this is actually um, to the detriment of your interactions or opportunity or avenues to engage with citizens through these very platforms, which you are now criminalizing their use of. Mm. So, so what we need is a more multi-staker approach when some of these decisions are made by the state. Well, it's interesting that you say that because one would have thought that uh, that would be very important to do so when you do impose a social tax on uh, social media because um, even the way that that's regulated should make sure that all parties are actually involved in making sure that that process is actually legitimate and is pro um, the people and the citizens Yes, yes. Now, that, that is what we uh, have missed in a country like Uganda. We had the presidential directive come out and the uh, bill emerge, mm. and today we have not had um, the state come out and say, let us talk about this. How should we go about collecting these taxes? Um, have we done the right thing? So the missing that step of or just involve holders in mm in more public um, discussions on such 
issues is where we emerge oh, we lose that line slowly but surely all right, let me come back to uh, Sheila. So what's the way forward now, Sheila? I mean, very good points that come from Juliet. There was no real consultation process with with other stakeholders on how to actually implement the social tax properly. And we've spoken around the infringement of uh, freedom of speech, taking that human rights away by taxing it. And also the pe- people who have been actually speaking around the, the invasion of privacy when you have kind of a country monitoring your use of of social media as it should be a private uh, experience. What, what, what are your thoughts on taking things forward, especially in a country such as Uganda? Thank you. And I, I, it, uh, and I really appreciate the point raised around consultation, uh, genuine consultation, you know, and not, uh, I think that's, that's a good point because there are a number of stakeholders that you, know, that you need to hear from before you make sometimes such arbitrary arbitrary decisions that affect um, not only, you know, non-state actors, but also the state. Because I, I, I've read um, even disagreements within, you know, state, um, state, state functionaries where there's been disagreements, disagreements around, you know, um, tax measures, raising taxes, what, what, what measures should be put in place to collect more taxes. Uh, discussions within different state institutions, disagreeing even with this decision to to tax um, um, social media. So the question around consultation, I think, um, is key. Genuine consultation is is, 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 is key. I mean, um, going on the, the other side, um, extreme. I think that government needs to abandon, really need to abandon this this this, this proposal, you know, taxing um, social media, and 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 focus more on, on on the advantages. You know, if if you have a government that is willing to listen, you know, to divergent views you know, to view, to criticism, mm-hmm. then this is one good platform, this is one good, uh, one, one, one effective um, medium that, that government needs to actually invest in to, to, to receive, to get feedback, but also to, to take advantage of the, 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 the opportunity that this I think that as the government is better, you know, better place to actually abandon this mm. whole social media platform because you know, for, 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 for its own for its own sake, for its own advantage. But I think that the whole question that, that it, it still goes back to the, the whole question around human rights constitutionalism government, you know. Mm. We need to see that in other country because this tax this tax imposed on social media is not an isolated mm. incident. We need to join the dots. Because there have been restrictions at the policy level, mm-hmm. restrictions with respect to freedom of expression. There are restrictions in the physical space, you know, physical space, policy space. And now there are restrictions in the digital space as well, mm-hmm. you know, with respect to freedom and exp- of expression, to criticism from government. So we need to sit down as a country in some form of national dialogue on, on what, does, what, do, what do these dots mean? When we join the dots, you know, what do they mean for for civic space, for engagement, mm. for state citizen relationships, because these 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 taxes that these affect state citizen relationships. You mm. know? Then you find sure. then what what happens after that. You find that 
citizens can, you know, distrust the state, we get to, you know, to, 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 to engage in extrajudicial activities and stuff like that. So we need to see them as a country, you know, to, to discuss the wider government issues, the wider, you know, uh, constitutional issues, what impact does this have on, on the state-citizen relationships there. Well, let's uh, bring Sanusha finally in for a final comment. What are, what are your thoughts in terms of moving things forward? Uh-huh. Juliet brought the issue of consultation, and also Sheila is speaking about uh, the, the just the trend in Uganda of the crackdown of like uh, uh, alternative thought, and also the fact that you have, you have crackdown on media, a crackdown on social media, and also on political opposition in the country. So, what would you say would be the way forward in a country such as Uganda? here, uh, it's, it's, it's a very, very difficult question, isn't it, Sanusha, because it comes back probably to re-electing a leader here. <laughs> yeah, I think it is a difficult question, <laughs> because I don't, I don't have my crystal ball to, to, to gaze in and to give you a, a, a precise answer. I, for me, I think it's, it's really, it boils down to each society, each country, and how they deal with it. Because I think this is the, this is the big the big cog in the wheel uh, with regard to governance in general. Because no country that I've looked at or I've read about has come to terms with social media. Mm. They haven't been able to find the right space, the balance, or the framework that enables all stakeholders to be satisfied. Mm. There's just one thing I wanted to, to, to throw out here today about the, about the tax on social media in Uganda. For me, I think that's quite an interesting way in which perhaps the Ugandan government is trying to regulate. Yes, I understand everything, and I actually agree with both uh, my colleagues on the line about the implications this has in trying to regulate and what it means. But I've never come across a country that said, we're going to tax you on social media. Because if if you're going to pay a tax, you're paying an added tax to something that you're already paying for, where it, it could be included in your cost plan. Yeah. your service provider. Sure. Now, in South Africa, I think that the moment you look at some of the, these questions around um, the role of social media, etc., um, it becomes a question of privacy. And some of, in some of our service providers, they don't necessarily charge you. They include it in your contract price or in your pay-as-a-go price. So I think, to a large extent, this, this, is the, this is the question where I would say, in going forward, to, ask the, to raise it from a from a ombudsman perspective and say, we're not talking you on the basis that this is against my privacy and what I can say and can't say on social media, because that's a completely different legal uh, animal. Sure. What we're asking you here is, are you not in the context of consumer protectionism impl- imposing on us a tax? Yeah. You shouldn't impose on us because we already pay for it Since in the context of how Sanusha, let me let me let me take that argument as a uh, final uh, response, maybe to Juliet. What you're highlighting there, Juliet? What are your thoughts Can of what Sanusha is, is is highlighting Sorry, there? Benjamin. So, just briefly in thirty seconds, go ahead, Sanusha. Yeah, I just want to make it because I think here is where the sensitivity is. Hmm. Because once you start taking it head on as a privacy issue and infringement, then you get into the funny nitty-gritty and the, sure. and the fuzzy area, etc. But if you think about it in the context of saying, well, here's a legal question about a, about a legal implementation of a policy that has consumer protection issues.
All right, Juliet, what, what are your thoughts on what uh, Sanusha is highlighting there? That's a very interesting question. I don't know if you were able to hear it. Yes, I did. And I do agree that we need to look at this from the perspective of uh, consumer protection. Our consumer protection perhaps isn't as strong as it is in South Africa, but at the end of the day, we need to realize that the taxes disproportionately and negatively impact primarily low-income Ugandans when it comes to their capacity to afford access to the internet. And when we look at it at that basic level, before making it about um, what has been posted online, how the state is clamping down, we look at it from the aspect of who is coming online and what are they doing. Um, we can look at it from the perspective of local content. Who, The more people you have online, the more content you are generating for consumption, new content that we haven't had on the continent. So that's one way of looking at it. So when you clamp down on the use of social media, you are limiting the opportunity for key content to come online, valuable content to miss out on that. Yes, um, we we do have an issue with um, rather a lot of disinformation mm-hmm. online, but it needs to be countered somehow. So in the absence of information to to counter it, we again shoot ourselves in the foot in in that regard. So. This this is a monster of a topic um, when you, when you look at it from the various facets that that um, that come up. But yeah, from my perspective, I think we need to look at it from the perspective of who are we denying access to the internet at the end of the day. And these are generally prep people who have just come online, so we are affecting their perceptions of the use of the internet and limiting the opportunity to be online. We're also limiting the uh, possibility of new local content from being developed. But we also shouldn't forget about the gender dynamic. More women than mm-hmm. men will more likely be affected, primarily those in low-income um, um, uh, income brackets, rather. Sure. But we also need to affect in the opportunities that many had found online, um, not having the costs of shops uh, hovering over them, um, utilizing the various platforms as a means to put food on the table. Um, very simple, not selling the most of expensive things, but there's a whole spectrum of opportunities that people have explored through social media. So we need to broaden the discussion around the taxes to, yes, include more of com- consumer protection, freedom of expression, access to information, mm. and local content development. Well, we have to let it go. It's been a very, very dynamic conversation here and very interesting. And I'm sure we could carry on this conversation until until another 30 minutes. But uh, thank you to our guests for giving us their time as we're discussing the introduction of a social media tax by uh, uh, Uganda's government. Thank you to Juliet Namfuka finally uh, joining us on our program. Uh, I'm grateful that we were able to connect with you as you brought us uh, new dynamics into this conversation. Conversation. She's a research and journalist based at the ICT Policy Center for Eastern and Southern Africa, Uganda, also known as Sipesa. Thank you to Sanusha Naidu as well, joining us for her uh, posing various questions around the use of social media and its nature and how sometimes it's running out of control uh, from a government and a, a social perspective. Thank you as well for Sheila Muanga, who has given us a human rights perspective. She's from the the uh, International Federation for Human Rights in Uganda. She's the vice president there. Thank you, ladies, for giving us your time. It's been an interesting conversation.